someone is messaging me about their gender. I don't feel like responding. <laughs> Drinking my water from Anya's cult cup. <laughs> Everything is as it should be. Everything is exactly how it should be. Mistakes. Ow. I have a mug for those who don't know that um, is from the Yellow Deli, which if you are from a town that has a Yellow Deli in it, you know very well that that is simply um, a cult's business front. Mm. And yes. but damn, are those veggie burgers good? So good and <laughs> Not, great chai. Yeah, a, nothing really hits quite like just the cult everything there chai. is great. When we go back um, at the end of this month to Vermont, we gotta go. <laughs> to we the gotta Yellow support Deli. the cult, you know. Yeah, it's important. We it's important gotta. to support everyone. Support your local cult. Okay? Listen, support your local abusive cult <laughs> by. We're not even really supporting them because we never tip. You know, <laughs> because they're evil. So yeah, and they're not. The individuals are not getting any tips. Yeah, we like, have all asked. the money. Yeah, well, they like give very evasive answers to that specific question because they, they, they do, do still want you to tip. Yeah. so they're like, yeah, we get it, but it's like, well, the cult gets it. Like, yeah. you guys don't have a paycheck, so why would you get your own like individual tips? And what so would you even good. spend it on? You live in a commune. Yeah, like. Whatever. Guys, write in. Do you think it's unethical for us to not, <laughs> not tip. tip this abusive cult, <laughs> um, the servers at this abusive cult's restaurant? Their food is so good. Their food yeah. is so good. Ugh. Yeah, it's actually upsetting. And it's the only like place I can go and eat in public and just be so on drugs and not care what they think. <laughs> Because they're in a fucking cult. Yeah, we love to show up there on acid. But, like, what's so funny is that, like, that cult clearly was started in, like, an acid haze. Yeah, like sure. in, <laughs> Like, in the 70s, Absolutely. they were, like, on a bunch of acid, and they were like, let's start a cult. Look at the artwork on any Yellow Deli's wall and tell me that none of that was drug-fueled. Yeah. Like, they can't even make up their mind on what it is they believe. They, like, believe in jesus christ but they only believe in the old testament so how make that make sense yeah <laughs> i don't get it um well whatever i guess um listen if that's your own personal belief as well i'm not knocking it i'm just saying um that among other things makes like their belief system not really make any sense for sure to me um as okay. a non-abrahamic religion follower so you know what do i know yeah but what i do know is that they're a cult <laughs> and what i do know is that their, their food, food absolutely slaps really good yeah and very very sweet people are attracted to and reeled into this cult which is part of the tragedy of it all is like yeah. when you go to a yellow deli the servers are in general just like deeply autistic people yeah. that like we're just looking for a community and um, I guess they found one. Yeah. Who am I to judge? I also found a cult. I want a yellow deli t-shirt that I can cut into a crop top. <laughs> and I want to wear it there. <laughs> That's the other thing. They, like, make their women wear, like, <laughs> neck to ankle, yeah. like, outfits even during the summer. And they have to wear, like, Mormon braids. Yeah. And they're always pregnant. Just 100% always. of the time pregnant. Um, so I don't think that they have, like, great... 
views on how women should be treated. Yeah. I'm going to join. They probably wouldn't even recognize you as a woman. Well, I'm going to join for a year as a cis woman. I'm not going to tell them and just see what I can uncover. They would kick you out the second that you like didn't get pregnant in like month two. They'd be like, "What? what's going on? The only reason women are around is to produce babies for this cult. So that they can work at the Yellow Deli. <laughs> but what's our, you know, as cult members ourselves, ourselves, we do have to figure out what our Yellow Deli is so that um, it's nowadays. We can secure the bag. Yeah, <laughs> we just take over we're nowadays. Take over nowadays. <laughs> if you call nowadays nowies, you absolutely cannot hit it. That, <laughs> that's my hot take this week. Should we just dive in then? <laughs> if that's your hot take, uh, I, I mean, let's go. It wasn't gonna be. That was a joke, but that actually just should be my hot take. Yeah. <laughs> Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. Yeah, guys who call it nowies can't hit it. No. It's like, what? No. Well, uh, I did let a guy... Well, hit it. I hit it. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> Quite, uh, they called it nowies. But yeah. I... Wait, did they call it nowies before or after you let hit? Before. Nika. Before. What a... You immediately betrayed your hot take. <laughs> well, I would never do it. I was warning. Um, whatever. <laughs> I got... People who call it nowies are repulsive. Mm. Um, grow up. It's nowadays... It doesn't even like it. I hate nicknames that don't even like shorten. Yeah, name. yeah. It's like right. it takes just as much breath nowies, to say nowies nowies. As nowadays. Like just yeah. It's like not. I mean, it, technically nowadays are more syllables, but like the way people say it it's nowadays. Like, yeah, it yeah. Just, no one says like, nowadays. Are you nowadays. going to nowadays? Nowadays. We're um, having an extremely like Brooklyn and Queens conversation right now, but for, for, for listeners that are not in New York City and more specifically in Brooklyn and Queens, because that's mm-hmm. what's special about nowadays is it hasn't been taken over by Manhattan people that are like just like yeah, vacationing in Brooklyn for the weekend. Yeah. The way God. like House of Yes. House of Yes, Good Room. I'm not, not that Good Room is like only that, but it certainly exists there. Yeah. Um, I mean, mood ring yeah has that sometimes there's just like a there's a manhattan tourism that happens in um brooklyn nightlife sometimes yeah and what's funny is like i once said this to someone who lives in manhattan and they're like well you guys come to manhattan for stuff all the time and i'm like yeah we literally have to it's the center of the city yeah like there are things that and also we work at all these places yeah and if you're talking about nightclubs specifically, who do you think makes those nightclubs cool? Yeah. People that live in Brooklyn and, like, come and work at those nightclubs and throw parties at those nightclubs. Yeah. Not that nobody in Manhattan is, like, manning the Manhattan um, nightclubs, but it is just, like, no, I got it. pretty rare. Yeah. To, like, afford to live in Manhattan, it's unlikely that you're, like... A party host or bartender, you know? Yeah. Unless you're like Suzanne Barch. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know if she lives in Manhattan. I don't know where she lives. Yeah, I don't know. Suzanne Barch, where do you live? <laughs> Come on the pod and tell us your exact address. Come on the pod. Suzanne, Suzanne Barch, do you call it Nowies? Of <laughs> course, <laughs> you know what Nowadays is. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Nowadays? Have you been to Queens? <laughs> oh my God. I'm just picturing her in like her like ridiculous, like, super high heels that she wears mm. trying to like walk down that like non-sidewalk that's right outside of nowadays yeah you know how the sidewalk yes. just turns into like 
gravel. Yeah. (laughs) The only place in all of New York City where the sidewalk is what the sidewalk is like in like New England small towns. Yeah. Where it's just all of a sudden the street. Yep. (laughs) But it's still kind of the sidewalk. Yep. Um, I just love the idea of like watching her march up to nowadays on that sidewalk in like one of her looks. Yeah. Does anybody know what we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys still listening is my question. Yes. Okay. So um, your hot take that you immediately rescinded. Mm -hmm. How about your mistake keepsake? Um, My mistake. I never know my mistakes ahead of time because I don't make mistakes. Because life is perfect. Nice. Uh, life. I was going to say that life is a highway, but I almost said life is a battlefield. This is actually more accurate. <laughs> um, my mistake. Um, I guess my mistake is that I tried to have a conversation with, like, an important conversation with somebody. Um, but it wasn't um, really the right place or the right time. Like, just, like, don't, you know, for me and for everyone going forward, don't try to have, like, difficult complex conversations about like your relationship in any form in an uber on your way to (laughs) someone else's apartment you know period period (laughs) um there's a time and a place and that is certainly not the time or place not the time or place in the uber and yeah no um it's very cinematic of you though you know like if you're a tv show that is where you'd have that conversation (laughs) because you need to like fit it into the storyline. But it would be a taxi and the taxi driver yes. would be responding and like looking through the rear view mirror. Yes. Yeah. Like casting glances. To yeah, the back, yeah, yeah. And it's fully a yellow cat. There's a studio though. audience on this show though, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. They're like clapping when I like say certain things. Yeah. And yeah. like and when you get out, you like the conversation is punctuated by the door slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's like and, and if it were, like, in a show with a studio audience, now there's, like, a lot of slapstick, like, references uh-huh. to what just happened in the cab yeah. that no one else at the apartment is privy well, to. Well, I mean, that did that did happen. We <laughs> okay, then, tell us more. Well, I mean, then we did go into the apartment and just, I was being mean to the person. <laughs> so, because we just continued having the conversation as we walked up the stairs into the apartment. Um, so that was my mistake, you know. I shouldn't have done that. But... My keepsake is kind of related, um, which is that I have been showing up for myself this week. Yes, you have. Putting my emotional well-being before my desire to be a good friend or, you know, to be seen as a good friend and, like, a kind person. Um <laughs> You we, know. we just the camera pans to me, and I just like have a black eye. <laughs> You're like, I don't care about being nice to my friends anymore, and I'm like, <laughs> no, listen, I still want to be nice. I'm still, I'm being nice no, right know. now. I just, you're actually, you're doing the better thing for both of you in that friendship. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just some, sometimes, like you know, I'm acting like I'm taking like a month of space from this from this relationship and I'm not I just like took a weekend off like (laughs) taking like one week max off just so I can kind of gather my thoughts um 
And then <laughs> once they're all gathered, you're going to throw them right into the trash can? No, absolutely <laughs> not. No way. Sweeping um, them together. Yeah, no, just, you know, have I, I'm a late bloomer in life when it comes to having boundaries with people and myself. So that's my keepsake. Is that I'm getting better at that. I mean, I don't think that's true. I think still being in your 20s and establishing boundaries is pretty damn early as far as this mm. culture is concerned. Yeah, I guess you're right. I feel like most of the adults like, you know, quote unquote adults, like people older than me in my life that I've witnessed actually exercise healthy boundaries. They didn't start yeah. doing it until they're like 50s. For sure. Um, and that's because the generation before us and the generation before that are like emotionally stunted beyond comprehension. Yeah. But that's also not necessarily their faults. Yeah. Um. So it's best we don't follow in their footsteps. But I don't think 27 is late to have boundaries. Totally. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. So that's my keepsake. Love that. Um, I'll start with my mistake. Um, so I mean, I already like kind of vented to you about this because I felt bad immediately after. But um, this weekend, I was out with some friends, one of whom is in from out of town. And like, we really always vibe and really like each other. And like, We've always gotten along, and even though we don't see each other all that often, whenever I see them, I'm like, oh, like, this is a someone that I really like. Um, mm-hmm. And the conversation playfully turned towards, um, like, from a friend that I'm much closer with, like, they, like, mentioned that they love that I don't have, like, an iPhone because, like, it shows, like, that I don't, like, bend to social pressure or whatever, Um and so the person that, that was, like, that I'm not as close with that was, like, in from out of town made a couple, like, snarky comments um, about, like, oh, like, who hurt you? Like, why, like, you know, basically just, like, just making jokes about how um, I made, a, I've made a mistake when mm-hmm. I, like, switched from iPhone to Android literally, like, six years ago now. So, like... <laughs> Even if it was a mistake, I've committed. You know, it's fine. Um, I don't think it was a mistake, though. And for people who are around me often enough, like our friends who actually live here, everyone knows, like, I'm just not someone who's really going to take the bait on, like, the fucking iPhone versus Android. Mm-hmm. Um, d- like... Uh, feud mm-hmm. and I even said that I was like listen I don't have anything to prove to an iPhone user like um, y'all made up this feud like it I really literally don't care yeah and um, but then like I like said something about like how androids in general are more durable and like I like their cameras better and um, then they just said like another thing about like well that's debatable if the cameras are good and I kind of snapped and I this is the mistake like I was just like annoyed because of how often people just like ride Apple's dick so hard yeah and like I guess if you don't have an android you probably just aren't aware of like what a cult it seems like it is speaking of cult cults like when you don't have an iphone and listen i had an iphone at one point it's not like i've never experienced this but like when you don't have an iphone it's kind of like when you're vegan is when because i've also been vegan so i know this is when you know how like hateful people are to vegans in a way that like everyone else thinks that vegans are the annoying ones but like once you're a vegan you're like actually i hear way more about this than y'all ever hear from vegans about this Mm -hmm. that's how i sort of feel about the iphone versus android thing is like 
I never bring it up. I never say that like androids are better. I'm like simply minding my business and like every fucking day someone has something to say about it. And it just seems like weird that there's like that much brand loyalty. It's literally a phone like it is there to execute a purpose. I don't know why y'all are so emotionally attached and obsessed. Not y'all like you. Yeah, no, I am. Um, but that's not like all of my frustration around that is not this one particular friend's fault. And I know that they were just being like playful. I just like said that it's like a super classist like joke to make. And Mm -hmm. um, like the number one divide between like iPhone and Android users and the decision from one versus the other is largely financial. And so like it's just like an annoying joke that we've all decided to like constantly make um and they just like was clear that like they felt really bad and like immediately were like um oh I didn't mean to be classist like I'm sorry and I was like oh damn I just like went in too hard on this one person because of a larger frustration I have and it's not like this one person's fault that this is a frustration that I have yeah it happened so but I get it um and and if it were a closer friend I don't think I would feel as bad because my close friends, I feel like we can have like more lively debates and it not be personal. But I was like, damn, I like we just don't know each other well enough that like I feel like this person would even know that I like none of this was um, personal at all. And like it's not something that I like actually am accusing them of being classist or whatever. Yeah. Your um my keepsake my keepsake is that I am um I've been sober for this month um basically from my birthday until Beltane I'm planning on not doing any um substances and um so far my experience with that has been really like nice and reassure reassuring and rewarding about like what my relationship with substances even is because I'm like still having fun at the club without Mm -hmm. them and I'm um like you know I'm we talk about this on the Patreon episode but like I'm reevaluating how much like I even care about alcohol um and if I even want to like drink it again once I'm done with this sober stretch um and it's just like it's nice it's nice to take a step back from kind of anything that we do regularly in life and like just check in with ourselves about where we are at with all of it and so I've really appreciated that like um check in with myself yeah and I very much look forward to doing drugs again so nobody (laughs) (laughs) nobody get too worried um I'm not gonna make uh I'm not going to commit to this lifestyle, but it's, you know, nice to take a little break. The same way that we sometimes need to take breaks from people <laughs> for the sake of our relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I'm feeling. Totally. Um, sometimes I don't think before I speak on our main episodes, but that's fine. Do you want to edit that out? No, I don't. I don't think I said anything bad. No, I don't think you did either. Yeah. Listen, everybody at this point knows that if they are in our life... We're at one point or another going to talk about something directly or indirectly that relates to them on the podcast. Yeah, I also wasn't even referring to the break you're taking. No, I know. I just, that made me think of it. Yeah, because I'm famously also taking a break from a person right now. For sure. 
um, in the, a very similar way that I am taking a break from drugs. It's for the sake of enjoying this person yeah, again in exactly. the future. Yeah. And you know what? For me, at least, I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as to even say that this little break is both for me to enjoy this relationship more again in the near future and also for them, I'm sure, as well. You know, I, I, everyone needs a break from each other every once in a while. Except for us. Except for us. <laughs> My hot take. Yeah. Um, I if if y'all if anyone follows me on TikTok, you've probably already heard this hot take because I made a video about it this week. But um, my hot take is that the hotter someone is, um, the less hot they are, and by mm. that I mean hotness is a circular spectrum. Yeah, and um, like if like I just find perfection to not be very attractive like I can appreciate a like super hot person for their um beauty like a piece of art but I'm not necessarily like sexually attracted to that and you and I often refer to these people as CW hot yeah like they're so symmetrical and their like lips are so like perfectly pouty Mm -hmm. and they're like not a hair out of place and, like, you know, they look like they're cast on the CW. Yeah. It's like, sure, you're, like, pretty and, like, congrats. And I en- enjoy looking at you, I guess. But I'm not, like, horny for it in the way that, like, I love when someone's just got, like, a regular ass face yeah. and body and, like, regular normal imperfections. You know, love, like, a- I love a-, a bump in the nose. Yeah. I love, like, um... You know, Evan Rachel Wood's, like, asymmetrical eyebrows. Like, she's actually a great example of this. If it weren't for her face being slightly asymmetrical, she would be CW hot. Yeah. But because she's got, like, kind of, like, wonky eyebrows, which are gorgeous, but they, like, make her face no longer, like, quote-unquote perfect, she's still hot. She hasn't circled all the way back around to being not hot the way, like... Totally. I don't know. I don't want to say anyone's name that I think has crossed that threshold because it's um, – I'm not trying to, like, pick on anyone for their appearance or whatever. I'll just leave it at um, who I think fits into the hot category. Yes. But we all know who I'm talking about, you know? There are just certain types of people that maybe society recognizes as, like, gorgeous, but, like, they're just not hot. Hotness is somewhere in between ugly and perfect, in yes. my opinion. That's my hot take. That's my literal hot take. My oh. take on hotness. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, f- f- fuck up of the week. Fuck up of the week. It, mine is, it's not lighthearted so much as it's not like deeply political. Yeah. But um, Louis C.K. won the um, comedy oh, album yeah. of the year Grammy. Ugh. Um. And I wouldn't exactly describe that as light, but it is, you know, it's not the Ukraine, certainly, the the issue in the in, in Ukraine. Um I yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Louis C.K. won comedy album of the year at the Grammys in our the year of our Lord 2022, well after not only have allegations been brought against him, but he admitted openly to them being accurate. Yep. Um, and wrote, like, put in writing that he 
did these things um, in his weak ass apology for it a while ago. And yeah, that's like a fuck up on the part of like the Grammys and like the award system and like entertainment industry as a whole. But it's also like the the um, response to it, I think, has been annoying. Like a few people have like posted about their disappointment in um, him winning. And there's been like a lot of pushback like, oh, what? He made a mistake. So now he can't work. And it's like. No one's saying he can't work. We're just kind of saying maybe not this job anymore. Like if you fuck up on any other job, you lose the job. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel like the only people that we go to bat for them being able to keep their jobs, even when they explicitly fail at those jobs are comedians and cops. Yeah. Those are the people who, for some reason, transcend consequences (laughs) in a way that no one else defends any other profession to that level. No. Like when like a lawyer or a doctor lose their license for breaking like confidentiality agreements, like everyone's like, yeah, word, that's part of their job and they failed at it. But like, I don't know, somebody said to me on Twitter, like, oh, like he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. And just because like he made a mistake, like he can't like work and be a comedian anymore. And I was like, yeah, actually, like I I personally think that like he still has the right to work but I think the jobs that he should be working at are like jobs with cameras and HR departments yeah <laughs> like Starbucks just unionized maybe you can apply <laughs> there Louie <laughs> Sears <laughs> yeah you can try Sears by the way There's a huge difference between being a working comedian and being a comedian who is winning a Grammy. Like, being celebrated to that extent is, like, not the same as, like, just simply being, like, still a working touring comedian. No one has, like, a right to be famous. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. It Like, it's also, he probably has plenty of money to just live on for the rest of his life. So, like, so just, like, why are we, like... There are just people to actually advocate for in this world, and Louis C.K. is not one of them. Because he's a white cis man, and the world revolves around them. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's plain and simple. It's just, like, patriarchy winning once again. Yeah. It's a boys club. Yeah. It's always been. It always will be. (sighs) Yeah. And even some of those women are in that boys club, because he had plenty of women comedians defending him. Yeah. So, it's sad, but... Fuck you, Louis C.K. Don't come on the pod. <laughs> yeah, Louis C.K. Absolutely don't come on the pod. I'm just going to leave it there, actually, with the fuck up of the week. That will be the fuck up of the week. Because my fuck up of the week is just, like, depressing. And I don't really feel like talking about something political on the podcast this week. Okay, word. But go Google what's going on in Oklahoma if you want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or was going to talk about. And, you know, we can simply not go there. Yeah. For the sake of our mental health. Listener mistakes. So this is from Anonymous. I was texting with my extremely hot... uh, I can't believe Anonymous is writing into the pod. That's crazy. This is is from Anonymous, the organization. They're also... um, They've threatened to hack into our... Anonymous, come on the pod. (laughs) Okay. I was texting with my extremely hot subletter, who we all secretly called Hot Josh, while 
while talking with my mom. I started explaining to her how hot he was and that we called him Hot Josh. Turns out I was holding down the microphone button and the entire conversation was recorded and ultimately accidentally sent to him. Never heard from him again except for when he moved out. Oh, no. (laughs) True nightmare fuel. That's That's like my actual, like one of my biggest fears. Oh, no. Like every time I find myself talking about someone like who's not in the room, even if it's in like a flattering way, it just is kind of weird to like hear people talking about you so i always like check my phone and just make sure like not even our text messages are pulled up i'm not accidentally calling them um because that is my actual nightmare nor 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 yeah that's terrible that happened actually to my friend in high school who listens to this podcast sometimes one time she came up to me in the hallway and um, started complaining about this guy who she ended up later marrying and is now divorced from um, because he's a piece of shit. But he was also a piece of shit to her before she married him. Yeah. And she was like complaining about like something that he did. And then the next period we saw each other in the hallway again. And she was like, oh, my God, Anya, like when I told you all of that, I had accidentally called him and he heard the whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is back when like our phones actually had buttons on them. So she just like literally call, you know, she literally hit that like green call button. But you know what? That could be my deep dive. Okay. Related to deep dive. Deep dive. Have I talked about? I have no idea. My fifth every grade time, friend. Every time you mention a friend from Rhode Island, yeah. Um, I all love of the, these fake names. All of their names are just so Italian yeah. that they sound the same to me. Yeah, can you believe that that is a real name? Is yeah, I mean, I, I believe with. it. it just I was saying that to the sounds, all, maybe our waspier <laughs> listeners. It just also sounds like pure gibberish to me. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. All right. Well, so me. Uh, the only name I ever remember is Lucio or whatever his name was. Oh, Yes, yeah. Fucking hated him. I still, re- I haven't talked to him in years, but he's so- he like has pivoted to um. Just being like an Instagram influencer slash like Olivia Culpo's like right hand man, Miss Universe, everyone. If you remember her also from Rhode Island, he's so annoying. Anyway. <laughs> Hi, Lucio. Lucio, come on the pod. Lu- don't. <laughs> don't. I still don't like you. I, I know everyone changes, but I don't think that you have. Um, let's, bleep out, let's bleep out just his last name. Yeah, great. <laughs> By keeping the first name. Lisa, um, leave out the last name. Uh-huh. Hey, Lisa. Um, anyway, okay, so my deep dive, like, let's keep it lighthearted. Why not? Um, but embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I was part of, like, a girl crew when I was in middle school, and it was me, Gabby McCauley, Alexia Scavola, uh, Yesenia Fernandez. All, I love all these crazy names. Uh, Giancarla Duran, and that <laughs> was when I went to school, with, there was, like, Rachel... And then, like, Rachel B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and um, Josh and <laughs> Dylan. That's all of their names. I just said every name of everyone I went to school with. LOL. Um, so we were, like, you know, in a crew in middle school. And um, this, like, was right around the time where, like, girls were start. you know, gender lines were being drawn in the sand. And so girls were starting to be like, I only want to hang be. out with the girls and boys were like i only want to hang out with the boys and so for like gender ambiguous or queer people it kind of fucked us over because we were like well who do we hang out with so there was a lot of tension in the friend group at this point because the girls were starting to not want me around as much because i wasn't one of the girls anymore like wasn't seen as one of the girls anymore 
And me and Alexia, we were all at Chili's. And me and Alexia were just, I think, if I remember correctly, Alexia might have also been in Aries, but I'm not sure. But we had just been going at it, like, all week and all day. And I'd had it. And so I had to vent. But I couldn't because we were at a booth sitting at Chili's, eating our our food. And I decided that I was going to text Gabby about it, who was one of my oldest friends since we were, like, three and four years old. And so I sent Gabby a really long text being like, she's being such a fucking bitch. And like, I can't fucking stand her. And like, what's her fucking problem? And I pressed send. And right as I pressed send, I looked back down at my flip phone and realized that I had not sent the text Uh to Gabby, who was sitting next to me. But I had rather sent the text to Alexia Scavola, who was sitting across from me. And so I knew I had about 30 seconds before her phone buzzed and she got the text. And I decided that I was going to lean into it. And so she looked up. She, I, I watched her look at her phone, open it up, read the text, have this like look of absolute anger flash across her face, look up, look at me. And meanwhile, I'm like sweating. I'm, I'm panicking. I'm getting ready to lean into being a cunt. Because there's only one way out of this, and it's not to apologize, it is to act as though it was intentional. And so she looks up at me, and she says, Nika, like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, who were you, who did you mean to send this to? And so I said, I meant to send it to you, because I think you're being a fucking bitch, and you're fucking pissing me off, Alexia. And so then we sat at Chili's for the rest of that little dinner um, with a pregnant tension between both <laughs> of us waiting for one of our moms to come pick us up. I don't remember whose mom it was. Um, and it was just terrible. It was awful. It was... I didn't... I, I would love to say I learned from that. I didn't. I just spent more years of my life um, and then into my teen years. <laughs> digging your heels in every time digging, you were wrong. Digging my heels in every time I was wrong and it said <laughs> something particularly hurtful about and or to or around with an earshot of someone. Oh, yeah. I yeah. feel you. Yeah. Um, You saying that really unlocked a memory for me as well. That like isn't enough of a deep dive for me to ever make it a deep dive, I think. So I'm just going to say it now um, as just like a related story. But when I was I used to go to like a summer program Mm -hmm. for um, in the arts Mm -hmm. as a teenager. And when it was my like second year there, I went for three years. But when it was my second year there and I like already had like, you know, a group of friends and um like had my footing and was simply vibing and having a good time. My roommate that I had was it was her first year and she was like very young and insecure. And I could just tell like um, I, I held some social power in her mind, mm-hmm. but she also was insufferable in mm-hmm. like the way that insecure people can be. And she just like would like she was very inappropriate like she like went through my shit and I would catch her doing it she like read my diary at one point and I caught her doing that and she just like kept like crossing boundaries that I was like fuck this bitch like this is so annoying yeah so um I was in the common room of our dorm and I was venting to two of my best friends who are to this day two of my best friends 
I was venting to them about how, like, weird she was and how she, like, kept, like, going through my shit and, like, how I just, like, wish she wasn't my roommate and, like, Mm -hmm. she creeps me out. Um, And then we all heard a, like, creak on the stairs. And we, like, like, kind of, like, popped our head to, like, see, like, around the corner of the stairs. And we caught her just in time, like, running back into our room. Oh, no. And, like, she had just been sitting on the stairs listening to the (gasps) entire conversation. Wow. And so I'm like, I don't even know if that was a mistake because I feel like I deserve to vent about someone going through my shit. Yeah. It was, like, more a mistake on her part to be eavesdropping. Yeah, But it reminded, like, I still felt like shit. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that is not how I would have, like, told you that this is how I'm feeling. Like, I was being way more harsh than I would have to her and, and my she never went through anyone's stuff ever again i mean i hope not my god so much like you um being in the wrong and rather than having the humility to maybe back down and reassess and instead just digging your heels in and making it worse mm-hmm. so too did elizabeth holmes whoa, whoa. <laughs> best mistake um, if you've been listening to our Patreon episodes, we've both been watching The Dropout. It's on Hulu. Watch it if you haven't yet. Um, but it's an incredible show about the um, Theranos scandal and like the scamming, the the fraud committed by entrepreneur Elizabeth Holmes. Um, but if you don't know anything about it, because I've been talking to people about the show and I've realized that a lot of people didn't really keep up with this yeah. when it was happening. Um, which is crazy to me because I was obsessed with it when it was happening. But, you know, we all have different hyperfixations and that's okay. If you are one of those people that vaguely knows who Elizabeth Holmes is and you maybe like remember all the like pictures of her when all this first started blowing up, like her holding the drop of blood or whatever. Um, but you don't really know the full story. Come along for the ride. And then I also recommend watching that show because it's very good. Um, and Amanda... Seyfried is one of the voices of our generation. Um, I also heard that there's going to be a movie that Jennifer Lawrence plays Elizabeth Holmes. Is that going to happen? That was like like last year that that was being talked about. But I wonder if it got dropped because the show got made. I just feel like Hollywood doesn't care about that. Like people, so often stories are told like, back to back by different sources, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it's still possible. But anyway, I was kind of looking forward to um, Jennifer Lawrence playing Elizabeth Holmes because I think that she has the perfect voice for it. Mm, true. Um, but Amanda's doing great. And if that's the only actress that we get, that's fine with me. But Jennifer Lawrence, if not that project, <laughs> you should just do an impression of Elizabeth Holmes for me. I would really Please. like to see it. Um, okay. So, Elizabeth Holmes was born on February 3rd, 1984, making her an Aquarius, Aquarius, which kind of tracks. I feel like only an Aquarius could, um, like, commit this kind, like, this specific kind of stubborn fraud. Legend only. Like, the thing about Elizabeth Holmes is that I don't think she ever set out to commit fraud the way, like, Anna Delvey did. Yeah, no. I feel like Elizabeth Holmes, like, really believed that she was going to, like... Change the world. Change the world. And she was just, like, so obsessed with that perspective that she, like... What? Tunnel vision. Yes. She, like, didn't, like, 
she would not take no for an answer, even yeah. though like the world was screaming no eventually. And so it led her to being a fraud without her even really at first realizing it. I think by the end she knew she was committing fraud and she just kept going because she was like, well, we're in it now. Yeah. Kind of like you sending that text message. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the damage is done. We might as well see it through is yeah. I sort of think her perspective. But um, anyway... She was born in Washington, D.C. Um, her mom was a con- congressional committee staffer. Her dad worked for Enron before moving to government agencies like um, USAID. I don't know what that is, but it's whatever. Her parents were very well established, very well educated people. Mm-hmm. Um So her family moved when she was young from D.C. to Houston. Um, When she was seven, she tried to invent a time machine, filling up an entire notebook with detailed engineering drawings. Um, At nine, she told her relatives that she wanted to be a billionaire when she grew up, which is a huge red flag. I feel like we should add that to the list of, you know, like um, how you can tell your kid is like a sociopath if they're like peeing the bed and hurting animals or whatever. (laughs) Add vocally wanting to be a billionaire to to that list. Um, At nine, that's your aspiration is like most of us are thinking about just being a marine biologist. Yeah. Billionaire? I mean, surely she doesn't even know the the ramifications of <laughs> of um, billionaires on class at that point. But she certainly has heard about it by now. But anyway, um, her relatives described her um, as uh, very serious and determined from a young age. She had a very intense um, competitive streak. Um, She often played Monopoly with her younger brother and cousin, and she would insist on playing until the end, collecting the houses and hotels until she won. Okay, so maybe she did know the ramifications of being a billionaire. Um, If she was losing, she would often storm off. More than once, she ran directly into the screen door. (laughs) I love that detail. Like, I love that that means that either her brother or cousin we're like, and by the way, more than one time oh during her tantrum, she ran into the screen door. Um, and then she proverbially, proverbially ran into the screen door repeatedly with her yes. company years later. Um, during high school, she developed um, a very strong work ethic, often staying up late to study. Um, she became a straight A student and started a business um, where she sold C++ Compilers, a type of software that translates computer code to Chinese schools. What? Um, I was like just like smoking weed for the first time in high school. Um, That was kind of like my hobby, you know? (laughs) I mean, I also I did other things to be clear, everyone. But yeah, I was also sucking dick and cock. Um, But so she started taking Mandarin lessons and partway through high school, talked her way into being accepted by Stanford University's summer program, which um, had a trip to Beijing. And on that trip, she was having a hard time making friends with her peers um, that were fellow students on that trip. There was um, one older adult in this program, and um, his name was Sonny Balwani. And he ended up... um, becoming like her own her her only friend yeah. in this program and he was like much much older and um that was the beginning of what would turn into a lifelong like friendship and romance between the two um 
the age difference probably would make a lot of Gen Z kids uncomfortable. But she was, I think, 18 when she met him. Yeah. Um, and they weren't romantic right away. They, it was like kind of a mentor-mentee kind of relationship. So after um, high school and going to Beijing, studying man- Mandarin, etc., um, she was inspired by her great-great-grandfather to go into medicine. But she realized early on um, she was terrified of needles. And this detail ended up influencing um, the company she would later start, but also influencing her decision on um, what part of medicine she actually wanted to go into. So she decided to um, study chemical engineering at Stanford. Um, when she was a freshman, she became a president scholar, um, which gave her a $3,000 stipend to go toward a research project. Um, She spent the summer after her freshman year interning at the Genome Institute in Singapore, and um, she got that job partly because of her Mandarin. Um, As a sophomore, she went to one of her professors uh, Channing Robertson and said, let's start a company. With his blessing, she founded Real-Time Cures, later changing the companies to Theranos, which is a combination of therapy and diagnosis. Mm. Um, thanks to a, to a typo, early employees' paychecks actually said real, real-time real curses. And sorry, the, the, the um, company was Real-Time Cures, but <laughs> their paychecks said real-time curses. Oh, my God. Which is a little prophetic. Foreshadow. <laughs> yeah. Um, she filed a patent application for a medical device um, for analyte monitoring and drug delivery, a wearable device that would administer medication, monitor patients' blood, and adjust the dosage as needed. Um by the next semester, Holmes had dropped out of Stanford altogether and was working on Theranos in the basement of a college house. Um, my whole thing with Elizabeth Holmes is that, like, ultimately, <laughs> a lot of what she did was just think of ideas more than she, like, invented anything. Yeah. So, like, technically, yeah, she filed a patent for this thing that would be great. But did no medical research but, for it. And, like, had no like reason to even believe that it could be made like she's illusional woman yeah it's very strange because this is like this is not even the medical device that she ends up being like ends up being the central focus of theranos like it later transforms into this other idea but with both ideas it's like who like nobody said that this could work people are just like willing to try to get it to work yeah but then she was like calling herself an inventor and it's like well really you just like kind of thought of an idyllic situation is what you did just how we are i mean true and i love that about y'all i'm like as soon as i found out she was an aquarius i i I, it made me reassess every opinion i had of her i was like actually i may have been a bestie that went to bat for her oh for sure you would have been (laughs) one of her earliest investors you are sunny I am Sunny. You're Sunny Wait, let's see if Sunny is an Aries. Oh, my God. (laughs) That would be iconic. The the iconic duo. No, he's a Gemini. Oh, okay. Crazy. Crazy. Makes that Aquarius and Gemini. Yeah, they really um, bring out the worst in each other. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And sometimes the best, too. I mean, I have a Gemini moon, and I think that has a lot to do with you and me um, being little psychos together. Yeah, you being a psycho. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just kidding uh, <laughs> okay just so kidding. i'm not a psycho 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm a psycho. Anyway, um, Theranos' business model was based around the idea that it could run blood tests using using proprietary technology that required only a finger pinprick and a small amount of blood, hence why it was inspired by her fear of needles. Um, To her, it was like, why are we um, still using needles when like everyone hates needles there has to be a better way and once again it's like yeah we all would like a better way than needles like yeah. it's not like no one else has thought about this that's like what's so weird to me about her she like she's like i did it i thought of a better way and also it's like, it's like she took an invention that kind of already existed and just tried to apply it to something larger which is the fucking finger prick thing that people with diabetes use to like also test that's their how blood they test for hiv yeah so it's like finger prick tests already exist yeah which is also i think why she like to, to you know in her defense i think that like maybe oh you're defending elizabeth holmes yeah i'm an elizabeth holmes defender Me too. Um, <laughs> believe women believe women illusional women um i do like i understand that her idea didn't come out of literally nowhere like technically yes it is possible to like test for things with merely a uh, finger prick but like her idea was to use this one tiny drop of blood to yeah. test for like everything it's cuckoo which is just um there's a reason it or it doesn't already work like that but whatever um so Holmes said the test would be able to t- detect medical c- medical conditions like cancer and high cholesterol once again like why are you just making lofty promises like that before there's any research for it it's just strange to me uh, she's an aquarius um so she started raising money for theranos from prominent investors um like larry ellison tim draper theranos raised more than 700 million holmes took investors money on the condition that she wouldn't that she wouldn't have to reveal how theranos's technology worked first red flag Plus, she would have final say over everything having to do with the company. Second red flag. A second red flag. Um, she's truly an egomaniac is the thing. Um, yeah. She like, like, you know, I think we overuse the overuse the um, like diagnosis, the armchair diagnosis of like narcissism. But she has like all the delusion and like yeah. self um, grandeur and stuff that I think points to that. But I'm, you know, we'll leave that to her psychiatrist. Um, that obsession with secrecy extended to every aspect of Theranos. Um, for the first decade, Holmes felt building her company, Theranos operated in stealth mode. She would even, she even took three former Theranos employees to court claiming they had misused Theranos trade secrets. Um, there was like another, like there was a company policy that if you're in different, um, departments you can't talk to each other about what your department is doing oh yeah yeah yeah. so that was part of the ways that like even though they were not getting any closer to actually making this fucking invention that she promised 10 fucking years ago there's like that's how employees were kept in the dark is that they were all kind of under the impression that like yeah sure things aren't going great in this department but that's because this department is dealing with like trying to work out like this one specific problem. Mm -hmm. It's like the other department that like actually has the real technology. Um, And so that is how she was able to keep even her own employees from um, knowing that they were 
in a company that didn't actually have a product. Um, so her attitude towards secrecy and running company and, and running a company was borrowed from a Silicon Valley hero of hers, former former Apple CEO Steve Jobs. Um, she started dressing in black turtlenecks like Jobs, decorated her office with his favorite furniture, and never took vacations, much like Steve Jobs famously did. And look where he ended up. Yeah, like, well, oh my god, guys, take vacations. You're gonna die of cancer anyway. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Ugh, it's so sad. Anyway, um, so if you have seen any interviews with her or if you've, like, heard anything about this case, probably one of the main things you know about is her famous voice. She's got a very deep voice um, that later was kind of, like, outed as fake, um, that she purposefully brought her voice down to a lower register People speculate so that she'd be, like, taken more seriously as a woman in tech. Um, But it kind of just made her, like, look weird. Like, if you listen to any of her interviews, it's like, girl, why are you talking like that? insane. But everyone who knew her before um, Theranos says, like, that's just not how she talks. And even for, like, the first few years of Theranos, she still didn't talk like that. She developed it, like, later on. So there were still, like, there were employees at the company that were, like, what happened to your voice? That's actually one of the funnier things that happens in the show is like yeah. when that happens and like literally the first person she, she talks to in her new voice is like, do you have a cold? What's wrong? Uh. Um, so um, the voice, you know, we don't know exactly why she did it, but like one can only speculate it was part of like her very meticulous obsession with her image and with what she projected to the world. Um, and uh like I said, to like try to like fit in with her like in the male dominated business world or whatever. Um, in the podcast, The Dropout, former Theranos employees said the CEO sometimes fell out of character, particularly after drinking and would speak in her regular voice, <laughs> which is like embarrassing, like commit to the bit. So embarrassing. Um, like, you know, Nika and I are not going to slip out of our um southern voice no we're not when we go to tennessee oh my god once you're in character darling you gotta stay you gotta stay all week (laughs) elizabeth holmes come on we can teach you a thing or two amateur hour i don't know nothing about no silicon valley but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what darling (laughs) my god tap tap my foot on that front porch oh oh my god i cannot wait Uh, to be on that mountain uh, anyway (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> it takes one sip of wine. <laughs> um, so Theranos, that's a great fairy name. <laughs> that's my fairy name, Theranos. That's actually so funny. Okay, write that down. Write that down. Okay, put it in the book. Um, great. So Holmes was demanding, was a demanding boss, and wanted her employees to work as hard as she did. She had her assistants track when employees would arrive and leave each day to encourage people to work longer hours. She started having dinner catered to the office around. 8 p.m. each night. Can you fucking imagine? Oh my god, the, the what a sickness capitalism is. Like everyone grow up. Also, like of course you're working that hard. You're the one that's like getting millions of dollars for this. Your employees are just getting a salary. They have no reason to stay that long, but they did, whatever. Um there is behind the scenes footage of what life 
was like at Theranos in um, leaked videos obtained by the team behind the HBO documentary The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. More than 100 hours of footage showed her walking around the office, um, scenes from company parties, speeches from Holmes and Sonny Balwani, um, who ended up joining the company. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Holmes dancing to You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Mm. <laughs> um, so let's talk. Let's go back in time just a little bit. Um when Holmes dropped out of Stanford at age 19 and was working full-time on Theranos, she also began dating um, Sonny Balwani, who was 20 years her senior. So um, she eventually made him president and C- COO of Theranos. Um He became her number two at Theranos despite having little experience um, he was said to be a bully and often tracked his employees' whereabouts. Holmes and Sonny eventually broke up in spring of 2016 um, when Holmes pushed him out of the company. And he's not the only one to have gotten that treatment from her. She was known for, um, as things started falling apart, which we will get to in a second, um, one of her defenses to try to keep the sham going was just like, kicking out anyone who Mm -hmm. was maybe a liability um, or encouraged her in any way whatsoever to maybe reassess what's actually physically possible in this world. Um, So both her and Sunny had like no experience in this world that they were trying to create this like grand invention for. Um, What Holmes had was kind of like a compelling story and like she she was very convincing in the way she would pitch Theranos particularly she kind of preyed on the fact that Americans don't have accessible health care and the health care we do have we often have to pay a lot out of pocket for um and a lot of us are afraid of needles not just Americans but people in general and so she kind of took those combinations of um anxieties and played them up to make this a thing that, like, people should really want. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if if people can just, like, administer their own blood tests and get the results at home, it'll save them all this money from um, doctors' um, offices and, like, testing one thing at a time with all these vials of blood. Um, and she, the, the thing that she kept saying is, like, nobody should have to say goodbye too soon. Mm, sorry, my radiator is whistling um, in the background. Apologies if that is coming through. Um, so she was kind of just preying on the like emotional side of medicine. And she also used to her advantage that like, well, of course, doctors are saying this isn't possible. They want you all to still have to get your blood tested at their offices. Yeah. Um, like it was very it was like a good um, it was a perfect storm of American medical insecurity um, the distrust of the medical industrial complex, which is ironic because if anything, she is like the epitome of the medical industrial complex. Yep. Um, and um, the promise of convenience, which we all, you know, this seamless generation, this Grubhub generation loves um, something convenient. We love 
our Ubers and our food deliveries and yada, yada, yada. And so this was kind of her answer to like the medical version of that. But outside of like kind of just having a compelling vision, she had no experience, started this company as a 19 year old um, and no knowledge about what the fuck she was talking about. Um, So in 2008, the Theranos board actually decided to remove her as CEO in favor of someone more experienced. But over the course of a two hour meeting, she convinced them to let her stay in charge of her company, Um, which just goes to show like there was like a level of like um, obsession and ego, but also manipulation Mm -hmm. that she was exhibiting pretty early on. Um, as they started to rake in millions of funding, Holmes became the subject of media attention and acclaim in the tech world. She was on the cover of Fortune, Forbes, gave a TED Talk, spoke on panels with Bill Clinton. Um, Joe Biden, like, spoke super highly of her. Um, they, the company quickly began securing outside partnerships. Capital Blue Cross and Cleveland Clinic signed on to offer Theranos tests to their patients. And Walgreens made a deal to open Theranos testing centers in their stores. Um, Theranos formed a secret partnership with Safeway worth $350 million. Um, In 2011, Holmes even hired her younger brother, Christian, to work at Theranos, although he also didn't have any medical or science background. Um, He ended up getting recruiting his fraternity brothers to join the company and people dubbed Holmes and um, his crew the Frat Pack and the Thera Bros. Um, she just like clearly just mismanaged this company like crazy. Um, at one point, she was the world's youngest self-made female billionaire with a net worth of around $4.5 billion. Still no product, though. (laughs) Still no working Theranos product. Um, She was obsessed with security. She asked anyone who visited the company's headquarters to sign non-disclosure agreements before being allowed in the building and had security guards escort visitors everywhere, even the bathroom. Um, So questions started to be raised about Theranos' technology. Ian Gibbons, chief scientist at Theranos and one of the company's first hires, warned Holmes that the tests were not ready for the public to take and that they were inaccurate in um, testing technology. And outside scientists also began voicing their concerns and questions about Theranos. Um, By August 2015, the FDA began investigating Theranos and regulators from the government body that oversees laboratories found major inaccuracies in testing Theranos was doing on real patients. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, they like technically have this like technology. Also, one of the crazy thing or like I it's both crazy and I think what ended up leading because I read a little bit about this, Mm -hmm. to the downfall of Theranos, was that because she was so secretive about what was going on at Theranos, scientists were not allowed to do any peer-reviewed studies. So it's like she shot herself in the foot. That that was like one of the big fuck-ups. Yeah, and and it's also the reason that like people who were originally super into it and supportive of it like changed their tune. Yeah. Because of like her 
she kept making the excuse that it's like, you know, how tech works is that they don't you don't like give away your like technology for yeah. other people to like steal or like whatever. Um, but like it is how science works, though, is that people need to like confirm that this actually works. Um, so one of the employees, Tyler Schultz, who was actually just a nepotism hire because his grandfather was a yes. um, early investor in the company, um, was one of the first people to like start voicing voicing concerns and like noticing how shady the company policies were. And he was discouraged by his grandfather and like everyone around him. Um, everyone citing that he's just a kid that like doesn't know what he's talking about, which is really ironic considering Elizabeth Holmes was just a kid who didn't know who, what she was talking yeah. about when she even started this company. Um, and um, he had a coworker once again, Erica Chung, or maybe it's Chung, um, who he and Erica were and like in the show the dropout there's like it's actually i really like the way it kind of um like i don't know how much in real life they talked about this but in the show um erica and tyler kind of get into an argument because even though she's also seeing these issues at theranos she like can't afford to lose her job but he's like one of the investors grandchildren and is like rich and like so she actually at first resents him for kind of pushing her to like help him whistleblow Mm -hmm. Um, but in the end, they do end up both being whistleblowers, um, for the ultimate downfall of Theranos. But I do really like that the show touches on that that was like a much harder decision for her to make than it was for him. Yeah. Even though he was getting a lot of, like, I'm I'm not going to downplay the pressure that he must have been receiving from his own family members because they were investors in the company. But he didn't, like, for her, it was a survival thing. And for him, it was like a A familial, ethical pressure thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Wall Street Journal reporter John Carreyou, um was alerted to the indiscrepancies and suspicious things happening at Theranos. Um, and it's funny because it was actually right after Rupert Murdoch bought the Wall Street Journal and then also invested in the company, in Theranos himself, that the Wall Street Journal ended up being the paper that published the first article um, investigating Theranos' struggle, Theranos's struggles with its technology. Um, Carrie's reporting sparked the beginning of the company's downward spiral. Um it should be noted that even before Tyler Schultz was whistleblowing, even before this Wall Street Journal article, there were um, internal concerns at the company with people that were higher up, such as Ian Gibbons, who um, voiced his concerns to her uh, and like was met with being fired on the spot, even though he was one of the first employees and one of the first like chemists to believe in her vision and like a huge reason why Theranos even got as far as it did was because of all the work like he was putting into it. Um, but Ian Gibbons um, was briefly fired, but was brought back a few hours later to keep him from divulging the company's sensitive information. Um, but at the same time, um, there was a man named Richard Fuse who um, was... In like, I'm trying not to divert diverge into this storyline too much, like because there's 
so many different aspects and this episode would be like four hours long if we went into every time somebody doubted Theranos. But Richard Fuse is somebody who knew Elizabeth Holmes for a long time and was one of her first doubters in the company. Mm -hmm. And he was in like a legal dispute with the company that involved, um, he ended up subpoenaing Ian Gibbons. And so Gibbons was in this really tough situation where he would um, either have to testify because of this subpoena mm-hmm. and um, and risk violating the Theranos NDA or not testify and like break the law because he, you like have to tell the truth and like mm-hmm. have to give this information under subpoena. Um, so using medication mixed with alcohol, Gibbons attempted suicide um, on May 16th, 2013 and died a week later due to liver failure. And his wife um, very strongly believes that it was because of the situation that he was in, having to choose between um, breaking the law or breaking his NDA with Theranos, that he killed himself. So that is like the one of the like sadder and heavier consequences of like how committed to um, deception Elizabeth Holmes was. And... His wife says that nobody reached out to her from Theranos to give condolences. They didn't send flowers, nothing. The first thing she heard from Theranos was like within the week, they asked her to turn in everything related to the company that he had in the house. Oh my God. Um, so uh, in Use Wall Street Journal um, article, he found that Theranos's blood testing machine named Edison couldn't give accurate results and that Theranos was running its samples through the same machines used by traditional blood testing companies. So ultimately, yes, they were delivering test results to to patients, but not only were they inaccurate, um, a lot of them were not even done on the Theranos technology. Um, Holmes appeared on CNBC's Mad Money right after the Wall Street Journal story was published to defend herself in Theranos. She she was quoted as saying, this is what happens when you work to change things. And first they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. Fully delusional. In 2016, the FDA, um, the, the FDA Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the CEC were all um, looking into Theranos. In July 2016, Holmes was banned from the lab testing industry for two years, and by October, Theranos had shut down its lab operations and wellness centers completely. Um, in March 2018, Theranos, Holmes, and Balwani were charged with massive fraud by the CEC, and Holmes agreed to give up financial and voting control of the company, pay um, five hundred thousand pay a $500,000 fine and return 18.9 million shares of Theranos stock. She also isn't allowed to be um, the director or officer of a publicly traded company for 10 years, which is like not long enough. No. <laughs> um, so despite the charges, Holmes was allowed to stay as the CEO of Theranos since it's a private company. The company had been hanging on by a thread and Holmes wrote to investors asking for more money to save Theranos. Um, 
In Theranos' final days, Holmes reportedly got a, Siber- a Siberian husky um, that she brought into the office. The dog wasn't potty trained and would go to the bathroom inside the company's office during meetings. Oh Truly just like having a mental breakdown um, with like millions of dollars on the line. It's wild. Um, in June 2018, Theranos announced that Holmes was stepping down as CEO. On the same day, the Department of Justice announced that a federal grand jury had charged Holmes, along with Belwani, with nine counts of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Jesus. Um, Theranos sent an email to shareholders in September 2018 announcing that the company was shutting down. Theranos reportedly said it plan to spend the next few months repaying creditors with its remaining resources. Um, When Theranos was finally coming to an end, Holmes made her first public appearance alongside William Evans, a 27-year-old heir to a hospitality property management company in California. Um, The two reportedly first met in 2017 and were seen together in 2018 at Burning Man. Mm. Um, can you imagine like being on acid and like walking around Burning Man and being like is that Elizabeth Holmes oh my god (laughs) is that motherfucking Elizabeth Holmes um so um the couple reportedly um were professing their love to one another on a private Instagram account, and Evan's parents are reportedly flabbergasted at their son's decision to marry Holmes. Um, it's unclear whether it's unclear where they currently reside, but they were previously living in a five thousand dollar a month apartment in San Francisco until April 2019. Holmes and Balwani's cases have been separated. Um, besides the criminal case, Holmes was also involved in a number of civil lawsuits, including one in Arizona brought by former Theramos patients over inaccurate blood tests. The lawyers, the lawyers representing her in the Arizona case said in late 2019, they hadn't been paid over a year. They hadn't been paid in over a year and asked to be removed from Holmes's legal team. My God. Um, her lawyers in the federal case had tried to get the government's entire case thrown out, but in February 2020, Holmes, well, and in February 2020, Holmes caught a break after some of the charges against her were dropped when a judge, a judge, a judge ruled that some patients didn't suffer financial loss, which like doesn't really matter because it was still not proper medical care. Um, so during the coronavirus virus outbreak, Holmes's lawyers asked the judge in April 2020 to deem the case essential so the defense team could defy lockdown orders and continue to travel and meet face to face. The judge said he was taken aback by the defense's pleas to violate lockdown. Uh, it became clear that the pandemic and the health risks associated with assembling a trial in one would make the July trial date unrealistic. So they they postponed ultimately postponed the date to march 2021 um in march 2021 holmes requested another delay to the trial because she was pregnant she asked to push back the trial to august 31st and her request was granted um she reportedly gave birth to the the child in july the trial kicked off in september um the prosecutors argued in their opening statements 
out of time and out of money, Elizabeth Holmes decided to lie. Meanwhile, the defense argued um, that Theranos Theranos ultimately crumbled and failure is not a crime. Trying your hardest and coming up short is not a crime. Hmm. Um, The list of possible witnesses for the trial named roughly 200 people, including Rupert Murdoch, Henry Kissinger, James Mattis, and Holmes herself. So in the end, the trial featured testimony from just over 30 witnesses. Over the course of 11 weeks, prosecutors called 29 witnesses to testify, including former Theranos employees, investors, patients, and doctors, before resting their case in November. The defense then began to make its case, calling just three witnesses, including including Holmes herself. On the stand, Holmes said Balwani emotionally and sexually abused her during their relationship. Holmes testified that Balwani um, controlled what she ate and how her schedule looked, told her she had to become a new Elizabeth to succeed in business, and forced her to have sex with him when she didn't want to because he would say that he wanted... Because he would say that he wanted me to know he still loved me. (laughs) Ew. Um, Holmes also admitted that she... She added some pharmaceutical companies' logos to Theranos reports without authorization. Uh Um, Investors previously said they took some reassurance in those reports because, based on the logos, they thought major pharmaceutical companies had validated Theranos' technology. Holmes said she added the logos to convey that work was done in partnership with those companies, but in hindsight, she wishes she had done it differently. Um. She acknowledged on the stand that she hid Theranos' use of modified commercial devices from investors. She said that she did this because the company counsel told her that alterations um, the company made to the machines were trade secrets and needed to be protected as such. Holmes spent seven days on the stand before the defense rested its case in early December. Um, in closing arguments, the prosecutors argued that Holmes chose fraud over business failure, while the defense argued she was building a business, not a criminal enterprise. So after 15 weeks of trial, the case headed to a jury of eight men and four women women on December 17th. They deliberated for seven days um, before telling the court on January 3rd they were deadlocked on three of the 11 charges against Holmes. The judge read off some jury instructions to the group um, before instructing them to get back in there and figure it out. Um, The jury returned a mixed verdict for Holmes, finding her guilty on one count of conspiracy to defraud investors and three counts of wire fraud. They found her not guilty on four other counts and failed to reach a verdict on the remaining three counts. The counts Holmes was found guilty for were all related to investments, She wasn't convicted on any of the charges involving patients who received inaccurate test results. Um, She now faces the possibility of decades in prison. Each count carries a maximum of a 20-year prison sentence and a $250,000 fine. Um, Or, yeah, and um, a requirement to pay victims restitution. So um, legal experts think it's unlikely Holmes will get 20 years at sentencing, it's unlikely that she'll um, she faces up to 80 years behind bars, but it's very unlikely that she will even get 20 years. But there's no way that she's going to get off without serving serving any time. Um, 
She was not taken into custody following the verdict and will remain free until her sentencing in September on a $500,000 bond secured by property. Um, So in the meantime, she has her husband and her baby and um, she is absolutely vibing till September. Oh, my God. And... uh, they have yet to like get any comment from her on how she feels about the Hulu show or anything. Um, in the end, seven hundred million dollars of investors' money was lost, and eight hundred people lost their jobs um, between twenty thirteen and twenty sixteen. Theranos sent over seven point eight million test results to Arizona patients. Inaccurate results included false HIV positives, a false cancer diagnosis, and a false indication of miscarriage. There are female entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley that still have a hard time finding investors in wake of this Theranos scandal. And one female founder was even told to dye her hair. So she looked like she looked less like Elizabeth Holmes. My sources were the Hulu series, The Dropout, um, as well as the HBO documentary, The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Um, I also listened to the podcast, The Dropout, a while ago, so a lot of this information I just remembered from that, and I um, used some quotes from a businessinsider.com article by Avery Hartmans and Sarah Jackson titled, The Rise and Fall of Elizabeth Holmes, the former Theranos CEO found guilty of wire fraud and conspiracy, who is the subject of the new Hulu series, The Dropout. They have yet to, like, get any comment from her on how she feels about the Hulu show or anything. Um, But she seems to, like, I don't know. This is all, now that now I'm just talking personal opinion, she seems to just, like, not really think she did anything wrong. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And is, like, trying to find a way to sustain, like, the lifestyle she envisioned for herself with this, like, new marriage she just seems to be in deep denial. Like, yeah. the fact that she got pr- got pregnant and had a baby while, like, all of this was, like, culminating seems like she was just truly planning for a life without any consequences. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm not in her head. But that's what it looks like to me. But anyway, that is the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos and one of the um, largest cases of fraud that has happened during our lifetime, at least that someone's been caught for. Moral of the story is stop trying to change the world. (laughs) The world is exactly perfect as it is. Stop trying to change the medical industry, everyone. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Healthcare in America is um, exactly how it should be. Yeah, just calm down. Moral of the story. Yeah, moral of the story is don't let women start companies. Moral of the story is, I don't really care <laughs> that she defrauded any of these billionaires. I just care that she fucked over normal, everyday people who yes. were sick. Yeah, same. And so for that reason, she should be um, tried for human rights, um, war crimes at The Hague. <laughs> yeah. But um, for everything else, she's a girl boss. Yeah, I mean, she absolutely girl bossed... Gaslit and gatekeep. Yeah. Her way into going to prison for two years, probably I mean, two years. Becoming a self-made billionaire off of defrauding um, large corporations and other billionaires is... Gorgeous. You know, gorgeous, gorgeous Genius. girls could 
um, only wish. But yeah, it's I think the biggest to me, the biggest appalling um, things that happened was Ian Gibbons suicide. Terrible. And um, the patients that were given. Yeah. um, Inaccurate test results and terrible. It like deeply affected a lot of these people's medical um, journeys with their very real illnesses that they are de- were dealing with yeah um but be, yeah be the elizabeth holmes that you wish to see in the world <laughs> take that however you want to take it yeah um write us your mistakes send us a review oh wait well write us a mistake <laughs> write us three two one from the top write us your mistakes at at best mistakes pod at gmail.com leave us a review leave us a sneaky little saucy review saucy review about how sexy our deep voices are (laughs) i'm elizabeth holmes um, um, we need to change we need to change the world so nobody has to lose anyone Um, a day too soon and uh, test your holes. Test your drugs. And kiss, kiss your, your friends, friends on, on the mouth. mouth. And like do those tests with like accurate testing. Yes, not um, one drop of blood fake machine testing. <laughs> yeah, just like the tried and true test results for now. And go gaslight girl boss gay keep your way into being a self-made billionaire. Yeah, we co-sign that. Love you. Love you.